two fat ladies. That's right, it's episode 88 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt. My name's Grant Howitt, this is Chris Taylor, and 88 is the best bingo number. Hello. Hello. This is also a role-playing game advice podcast in which we give role-playing game advice to you, the listener. And also to, I suppose, no, just to you, the listener, actually. No, we already know it. It's Yeah, we already know, we know it. it. We're great. That's why we answer questions. We've had what's known in the trade as a boring week. Oh, yes. Uh, not not, not, a, not a quiet week. Uh, it's more that we've had to do a great deal of admin mm. and editing. And normally we spend a great. Normally we spend our time, you know, frittering away, saying fun things about elves, drinking champagne and martinis, and champagne martinis, and just laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. laughing into my gold-tipped cigarettes. <laughs> but this week we have done. We have done the serious hard work of sending emails to grown-ups. Yes, and pretending to be grown-ups ourselves in those emails. Now I did write a role-playing game about trams. You did, yeah. So that so that happened, but that was kind of more. I did that on buses. It wasn't something I did as part of my job. <laughs> How almost appropriate. Yes, uh, but we we've been gearing up for Dragon Meat, which happened. Uh, yes, by the time is, this you is hear post Dragon Meat. This has all occurred. Thank you for coming to the store. If you came to the store, fuck you for not coming to the store. If you didn't come to the store, it goes double for any of you that didn't even bother to get on a plane. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. How what lazy was, can you be? It's like what sixty quid. To get a train down to London from, from what I can tell, anywhere up to five minutes out of London. <laughs> and, and, and and something in the region of that to get a plane from America. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit more. And, you know, sure, there's fuck all to do at Dragon Meat, but we were there. Right. Cold and lonely. No one bought us beer. Grant cried. Yeah, a lot. At the yeah. bar. Yeah, it was it was actually really sad. We, we helped him through a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was great, and I'd like I'd like to thank you for that. And also, you, listen, you know who you are. You've really helped me through a great deal. Mm. That's um touching. This is sorry. It's t- it was touching. It was touching. Um, can we move on? We can. Yes. Can we answer a question? Oh, let's. Can you give me one? I, I can ask you a question. Oh, <laughs> uh, ask me a question. Charlie X asks. Outside of selling them, what uses are there for all those old 3rd edition slash D20 glut-era books we all have? Just to explain this to the, uh, to the casual gaming listener, um, Dungeons & Dragons is a popular role-playing game system. You uh, may have you, heard of it. You may have even played it. Uh, back in, the th- in, in edition 3.5, they released the rules under the OGL, or Open Gaming License, which meant that any fucker could write rules for them. And use the D20 system to write rules. Like, there were certain trademarks they couldn't use, but you were basically allowed just to write D&D stuff. Yeah, they just got shot out of the internet like our legs. Um, that's... Okay, well, I would, I would like to... I know we, we, we try not to, you know, reference previous episodes too much. I'd like to offer an official apology. Yes. For cow owls. Because I don't know quite what happened, but that was distressing. It was a worry. I've listened back to it now, and it's gross. I dreamt of them. And so everyone wrote role-playing games, and everyone was able to publish publish them for Dungeons & Dragons, and some of them were quite good. Some of them yeah. weren't. Um, but unfortunately, Chris bought all of them. Yeah, just just lots of them. And they did an awful lot of uh, like official books as well, like Complete Scoundrel, Complete Divine, Dungeons. Those are what I own. I don't really own many of the third person, third person, third party ones. <laughs> Say again. 
I didn't. I own the, the official ones, not the third party mm. ones. But there are a great deal, and they are all useless, especially now, because they're ju- well, yeah, they weren't very good at the time. But no, they're now, but they're just rules for a system no one uses anymore. So you can't sell them. That's for sure. No one will buy them. No bugger wants them. Can make a table. I mean, I'm sort of considering doing that in a weird way. What like, kind of weird way? Gluing them solid and using them as the top surface of a table. Ah, you could hide things inside them. I could very thin things. Yeah, because they're all to... hardback books, less than an inch thick. Yeah, you'd have to hide like small indie role-playing games in them, or pencils. So like you, you could hide Siren inside Complete Scoundrel. <laughs> I could put good games inside bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You could you could make a, make a sort of collage after the papers inside. Yes, you get really into decoupage. Mm. You could give them to a charity shop. Because, put it this way, right? I'm not... I, I find old role-playing games fascinating, especially mm. bad ones. But if I was in a role-play... If, if I was in like an Oxfam, or what have you, and I walk along and I see, oh, here is £5 for like a foot of 3.5 books, you bet I'd pick those up. Yeah, even if you read through them once. That's, yeah, that's I'd get cool. someone out of them. So I think I, I think definitely giving them to charity is a good uh, idea. And plus, imagine if you're a kid. Oh, I'm at all the pictures of gnomes and shit. And you're like, "What's this? This looks cool." Coming yeah. into a second-hand shop is actually neat, actually pretty neat. Yeah, I should give to charity. And did you know the five pounds that little boy gave cured cancer? Did it? Well, uh, he he was in a cancer research. He wasn't in Oxfam. They don't do that. Oh, okay. Yep. They do Family. famine. I think they're famine. They're primarily famine. What does the ox part start for, stand for? Uh, I I assume it comes for oxen farm. Oxen fam. Oxen, uh, oh, the family of ox. It's okay. a noble house. Cool. Th- this question's generated so many good answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd one, but the thing is, like, you don't really get this rampant line of books anymore. No. Because they were they were mass produced on frankly frightening scale, like you had things like Green Goblin, um, Mongoose Green Publishing, Ronin. Green Ronin, yeah, Green Goblins from Spider Man. That's yes, something much, different. Yeah. yeah, just cranking out book after book, mm. and that you went snowblind. Yeah. Whereas now you get more love and more care put into each book, so each one's actually worthwhile. And also, like the rights. Are more strictly controlled. I think Fourth Ed wasn't released under OGL, was it? No, no. Uh, so I mean, it didn't do super well. But uh, it's I. So listen, dear dear reader, I've got I've got a confession. I stole role playing games when I was no. younger. We've all done it. We've all stolen role playing games. And I, in the summer, no, in the winter of two thousand and seven, left my computer downloading a torrent file of 3.5 games and then went on holiday because <laughs> that's how big the file was yeah it was something i think it was something like 30 gigs oh uh, yeah and, i remember i remember pulling them down off of like irc in yeah. parts where you get like 13 zip files yeah and then sort of make them kiss yeah and that had, and like, I, that was that was my reading for about six months. And that I'd go through, oh, this is bollocks. Oh, this is interesting, and just flick through. And I, I had, I will say, there was something really joyous about having that level of 
fiction, that level of um, wonder in a game, which reminded me of the first time I walked into a games workshop, for example, the first time I saw someone play Vampire the Masquerade. There was that sensation that, wow, there's this whole world out here and I can't possibly understand all of it. Mm. Whereas, like, like the role-playing games, which I really enjoy now, are, are, are like, oh, they've written three paragraphs and let me invent the rest of the world. How clever. <laughs> Yeah, and also because there was such this weight of product coming out, hmm. you couldn't help but hit sometimes. Yeah. Some of it was really, really good. It was often in the middle of a very bad book. Yeah. Which you had to spend twenty quid to get. There was something. There was some stuff there. There was some fun. But yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty good, and I, I think I might actually do that coffee table idea. To make what make it make a coffee table of all three point five books. Yeah. That's kind of fun, yeah. If you if if you move out, stick some glass over it. Exactly, I think that'd be quite that'd be neat. Good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyway, let's go well for done. another question. Yeah. Damocles twenty three asks, on playing a lawful neutral character and other tips. A treatise so, by Damocles twenty three. Damocles, yeah, weirdly, uh, weirdly asked, but Damocles wrote in saying he wrote into Reddit saying that they want to play a lawful neutral character but don't want to be a downer on the rest of the party are there any tips and buddy don't play a lawful neutral character so can we just analyze for a little bit here what lawful neutral means i'm trying to imagine something less interesting than lawful neutral exactly like so lawful is that you abide by a code or the laws of the land yeah you you basically you uh you toe the line according to what the state wants you to do yep and neutral means you don't care about anything you don't act um, so so. That's more of a political standpoint, I suppose. But good evil is yeah. whether you do is, is whether you prefer to make actions which benefit others, or you prefer to make actions which benefit yourself. And neutral is I'm in the middle. I don't prefer making either action. <laughs> Does and that I'm mean that, like self care is evil? Because that's an that's an action that benefits myself. I think it's more it benefits yourself at the at the detriment of other people. So like sure. bubble baths aren't evil, but bubble if you broke into baths. someone's house, killed them just to use the bubble bath, that's evil. Yes. And frankly outrageous. Yeah. It's like it's always hugely bothered me. It's so fucking wrapped up in yeah. class and race and like the police state and all sorts of shit. Which is just like, oh, I'm I'm lawful good. Okay, so like so you but you realise you're part of an inherently cruel system. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible to be lawful good and do evil actions, because but the state lawful. that you're in determines them that they're good. Because no one thinks they're the bad guy. No, no one says we are a great evil nation. But what is a bit interesting is that lawful good's opposite, <clears throat> chaotic evil, yeah, is very much its opposite. Yes. Everything about that is different. Like, you're anarchic, you're selfish, you're cruel, etc. Mm. The opposite of lawful neutral is chaotic neutral. It's just, like, artist, right? Which is what... If, if lawful neutral follows the laws and doesn't care, chaotic neutral doesn't follow the laws, necessarily, and, do and, and doesn't, doesn't care. care. So what you are is a dick version of the other one. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to have neutral in there. Mm. As a, uh, as a, I, as one of the core things you can be in a game, which you have to tell stories about yourself. I kind of understand it from the point of true neutrality, when you're oh, playing something so. druidic or monastic. 
in a specific way, which mm. is about balance. Yeah, but they're not they're not often played that way. No, but I'm looking at it from an angle where they could be interesting, maybe. Yeah. Rather yeah. than rather than the standard glance at it, which is just this is stupid. Why? why yeah, is this like I will say, true neutral is interesting mm-hmm. from from that point of view, but neutral is not interesting. No, neutral appended to anything else mm. makes that thing dull. It's lawful boring. Yeah. And like and like the other thing is good and evil give give the GM levers to pull, you know? They give you ways to act on they give, they give you ways to lure you forward. Whereas you're just from you're from the neutral planet. Your favourite colour is beige and you can't watch paint dry after five PM or you won't get to sleep. This injustice will not stand. Oh maybe it will. Maybe it will. Who knows? We'll see. I don't care. It's not up to me, yeah, is don't, it? Don't don't <laughs> <laughs> don't play lawful neutral characters. It's really bad. Don't, really boring. Don't play alignment systems. No, it doesn't. Really, like, it, ne- it never really comes up. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The only time I've ever liked uh, alignment systems is when you've got detect alignment, because you can mess with players no end. Okay. By having a one, uh, by having a completely different interpretation of how alignment works to them. Okay. So, for instance, the lawful good paladin mm-hmm. will p- potentially flag as evil mm. because they were just they were just mean to their wife for so yeah. long, and then they got a divorce because they couldn't be dealing with it. And yeah. it, it all fit within the rules. Yeah, um, it benefited everybody in the whole because then they had more time to go adventuring and save more <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah. But they yeah, were re- I, like, 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 not physical abuse, but horrible gaslighting. Yeah, just like a real asshole. Yeah. Pings is evil. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it should be it should be randomly determined. <laughs> just roll a dice and see what well, it like, picks like, up. If if anyone ever does 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 detect detect alignment, you have you you, you roll you roll two d three and then make up the alignment and then rationalize it afterwards. Because it's just it's just fucking Calvin Ball anyway, mate. Have a bigger table. Than, than than is actually on the uh, on on the alignment axes, mm. so like they are lawful communist. I, like my, I, I got my players to make up their own um, align alignments when we last played fifth ed, and like a lot of them don't know about the proper alignments. Okay. So like um, the dragonborn in our party, her alignment was helpful. Oh, and like yeah, oh, okay. my heart. Oh, I get it. Uh, that that sums up your character much better than lawful good. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm helpful. I just I just wanna I just wanna get on. Yeah, like having an outlook. Yeah. And benefits if you play to that outlook that you've chosen is an interesting yeah. way of doing the same thing. The thing which always got me was the uh, protection, uh, like circle of protection versus chaos, or circle of protection versus law. Yeah. Like you can keep out the police with a spell, <laughs> or you could keep out like. A bloodthirsting demon. Yeah. If they happen to have a warrant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they can just walk straight through. I kind of like the idea that you, you cast protect, uh, you cast protection from law and protection from chaos, and then only and then suddenly you want you want like a, like a true neutral hit squad will go in and just ki- and kick ass in a completely uninterested way. <laughs> the Swiss just come in and fuck you up. <laughs> just throw a load of um, Swiss army knives through the. <laughs> Fizzing and crackling. Give me a question, Christo. Oh, I will give you a question. Fauchard fifteen twenty. By the way, I'm really sorry I called you Christo. That's fine. I mean, as long as it's 
preceded by the Count of Monty. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Fauchard 1520 says, No one wants to hear you all meet in a tavern. What are your favourite ways to bring the party together in session one? You all meet at a wake. (laughs) Still a tavern, but you've got a reason to be there. Yep. And in fact, how a lot of Call of Cthulhu adventures start. Yeah. That yeah, in fact, like, like the big one, actually, isn't it? Uh, Masks of Arthetep. Yes, yes. Jackson Elias? Yeah. Yeah. You all meet in the same giant whale. <laughs> You've been... Yeah, you're like... in The hold of a boat works as well. Yeah. Like, like You're I, I'm, just I'm down of, there. I'm kind of wary of... Um, the whole amnesia thing, and also of um, you all wake up in jail because mm. it kind of it kind of like puts players on the wrong foot. I don't really like that very much. It's not a hugely interesting thing to do, and it severely limits their choices. Like I think, like, there's different ways you can approach the problems, but but to, like to say to the players, okay, you're in jail. You're probably going to, have to try and break out. How do you do it? And then working with whatever they say, rather than here is the puzzle to breaking out the jail. Yes. You know, because that's always boring. Uh, one but of the things think... about this, well, sorry, Carol. No, no, no. One of the things about this is it's very difficult to have something as generic as you all meet in a tavern. Mm. That can, in a fantasy game, that can fit in literally anywhere there's a tavern. That's fine, as long as you're not in like a dry fantasy state. Yeah. Well, even then, there's there's equivalents to taverns. Yeah, it's coffee house. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're playing uh, an apocalyptic game, not a post-apocalyptic game. Right, yeah. You all live in the same city. Mm-hmm. The earthquake happens, and you, you all, everybody in the city starts dying all over the place. Buildings collapse. Mm-hmm. And the, in the rent and the earth, you're kind of funneled into this area mm-hmm. with about five or six other people in, in a cave in. Yeah. That's or, a great start to an adventure, but only in one very specific situation. Like, uh, like you all get to the same shelter in time. Yeah. And so you you are the only people who make it to the shelter. But yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it's it's. I'm guessing it's fantasy, is, is is what we're going for here because. In modern day, you have organisations. Yes, and also and also in fantasy too. But you know, there's more of a. It, there's also quite like groups are more common mm. rather than organisations. But like you know, like oh, we're all, we're all fans of the same thing. We're all yeah. interested in the same thing, and we have means of talking to each other. We all go hoping. to spin class. Yes, exactly. There's not enough spin class starts. I think that would actually games. be quite good. Like, I mean, you've all just gotten off a of spin class and a dragon lands. You've all just gotten off a of spin class and then there's a, there's a bicycle chase. And, like, I know you're good at bicycling, but your legs are sore. <laughs> and also, you've never turned left or right. <laughs> so that is, that is going to be a challenge. You have That's to a rely difficult on the role. natural camber of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can only pedal in time to the music as well. What happens in a spin class? I mean, what are they fucking teaching you? Leg go up, leg go down? <laughs> I mainly think it's just like a support group. Right, because it is horrible. Because, yeah, it's just like you're torturing your legs. Yeah. So you need somebody there to make you not die. Yes, or or to help you die. <laughs> to ease your passing. Yeah, like a cleric, a cleric of spin. <laughs> just a priest. Just, just, just my doing favourite Bootsy Collins album. <laughs> Cleric of Spin. <laughs> what a vinyl! Give me a give me a a, a lead into an adventure. A lead into an adventure. Um, the reading of a will. Mm. 
Yes. Uh, you, you all have people come round and say, uh, I'm afraid you'll need to come to this place to, to receive this information. You've, you've been mentioned in somebody's will, and it's like, none of these people are family. Yeah. Nobody and knows the family why. are there, and they're furious. And they're getting nothing. Yeah, that's kind of fun. That kind of works for like a, for a modern Call of Cthulhu thing, because then you get mm. you get some money, which is useful for globetrotting and whatnot, mm-hmm. and you get plot points. Yeah. One of you gets 20 grand, the other one of you gets a really obscure box. Yeah, don't open it. Unless you have to, then definitely open it. <laughs> open it for sure. For sure. Where you, have to spend a nice, you have to spend a night in this spooky haunted house? Always good. That's always good. Yep. Especially um, seeing as uh, seeing as, as they actually, it's not it's not really a spooky house. It just floods. <laughs> the entire it's thing fills up with water. It's a submarine. <laughs> it's a haunted submarine in, inherited from your crazy uncle. Uh, you're all being interviewed for a TV show. Ah, okay. So you're in. You all get put into a green room together. C- can I? Can I just look? I I've complained in the past about how. Um, the worst part of any role-playing game is when the GM describes a spot check and then the player describes what the GM described to everyone else. Mm -hmm. I think that the second worst part of a role-playing game is saying, Hi, this is my character, and we're going to do some awkward role-play. Yes. Like, like, the, like the first bit where you do role play. No one like, and like, and quite common. It's just sit in this empty room together. There's nothing yeah. to do. It's no, like that's a waiting very room. Fair. And that is always awful. So I will say, give the players like treat treat the treat the the start of the first session session one like a date that all the all the party characters are going on. You wouldn't just go on a date to a waiting room. No. Like ideally, if you're trying to get to know someone but you don't really know them very well, you want to go and do something with them. So like watch a film or do an escape room. Do an escape room, a sexy escape room, or do a go kart. I'd love to go on a go kart date. I wouldn't. Well, you're I a big ha- man. I hate go karts and can't fit in them, and they make me feel bad. Maybe you could. Maybe you could drive too. That's that's going to hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, not if you're good. It's mainly <laughs> when somebody drives through the middle. <laughs> That'll be me on our date. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> All right, I got a question for you. All right then. Tiberian Pun asks, if being bitten by any radioactive animal resulted in getting related superpowers, what animal would you want to be bitten by? Oh, dang. Mm. So so things like spiders give you travel powers. I'm going to say that it's not just a straight one-for-one adaptation of the the beast. Okay. Because otherwise Peter Parker would have to uh, extend a strand of web from his ass and then use it to glide through the air. And eat flies. And, just and eat flies. Bite. And also, any sort of webbing that comes out of his arms is jizz. <laughs> yes. They have pedipalps on the front, so, you know, that's... It's, we're allowed to, to jazz it up a little bit. Okay. This is a bit this is a bit predictable, but maybe like a tiger. Tigers would be cool. I kind of like, like um, big animals, like rhinoceroses. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, I'm guessing... Because Peter Parker doesn't have eight eyes, eight legs, um, mandibles, that sort of shit. He looks like a human. No, but you so, kind of you kind of get the the juggernaut style powers of increased mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'm I'm figuring you'd still look normal. Yes, you still and, pass for normal if you're not wearing your big horn. And the, and the ability to take for your body to take like large impacts. Yeah, 
So you'd be the juggernaut, but without that stupid helmet. Yeah, and not being um, Vin Vin Jones. Vincent Jones. What about like a turtle? Like a like a big tortoise. Long life. <sighs> yeah. Impenetrable sure. shell. Not, not really the most... The shell's difficult, I think. Mighty jaw. Yeah. I guess. They just don't seem very aggressive. They don't seem... Sorry. They don't seem very proactive animals. The turtles. Well, I'm, I'm not terribly proactive human being. No, that's true. That, that's, that is very true. Neither am I. Hmm. I think I think we could find some solace in the world of the tortoise. Oh, actually, you know what? Maybe something cool like a hawk. Ooh. Like flight? Flight yeah. would be cool. That's rad. Like, admittedly, I'd just sort of get... I'd, I'd like, land on buildings. I'd, like, hit buildings and shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, okay, owl. I'd go for owl. Bitten by a radioactive owl. What about a platypus? You get the beak? Um, you get yeah, the swimming? You get the ability to sense electric signals. Right? You can smell electric. Uh, because I'm a dude, my my heels would become venomous. Yeah, uh, um, or an electric eel. You could become blanker. Just do an electric. Yeah, do a big electric of people. He's 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 already got that cornered. I'm thinking like a hawk. I'm thinking like hawk or owl or some sort of bird of prey, which lets me gr- glide around gracefully and just and just like cough up mouse bones. What about a camel? I guess I'm going for the sexier animals. I'm thinking of know? utility, I'll be honest here. You said, yeah, I mean, camel, like camel man, mm-hmm. the amazing camel man, you can walk forever. Yep, your, staggering endurance, no need to your, eat or drink. Your gait is more efficient than that of a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuck you, horses. You've got those lovely humps. I, yes. Or hump, depending on what kind of camel bites you. <laughs> it's randomised. Can't... Would it be difficult for a camel to break the skin? With a bite? I don't know. Their teeth look savage. Uh, yeah, I mean, cows can break skin fairly easily, can't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about a cow? A I mean, bull? That's main... I mean, yeah, so you've got the charging thing there, but again, yeah. your main superpower is lying down in the I'm right thinking, direction. I'm thinking for you, mate. Oh, wow. Because you're saying you're saying that you really want to have a nice, quiet sort of. No, I'm looking at utility. What I'm saying is, I'm looking at utility rather yeah, than so, flash. Yeah, the camel is the most utilitous animal in the world, I'd say. Yeah, like the, the Swiss Army penguin. <laughs> like that would it's be got, really it's useful. It's got twelve different wings that come out. Yeah, it, it can open. It. it can open bottles. It can saw through logs. Yeah. It can swim and sort of fly, but not really fly. It does that thing where it goes underwater and then pings up. It, yeah, it, that, like those old half moon bits of plastic used to fall inside out. It's a jump, okay? You're just jumping out of water. You can't fool me. Yeah. And skidding around on your tummy. It's got a knife. Those, <laughs> those half moon bits of plastic. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 you, you, you turn the rubber inside out and then leave it. And it was like, it was, it was the purest expression of suspense available. Mm. You leave it there, and it's like, oh, this is gonna fucking happen. This is gonna jump up in the air, and there's nothing. It's not like a bouncy ball because bouncy balls are inherently sort of joyous. You can bounce around, you can catch them, you can bounce them off things, you can throw them back and forth to one another. They're also, is, they also have variable bounce. Yeah, you can get those like absurdly bouncy ones, but you can that, that, throw it hard. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it goes over. You can lose them. You can <laughs> pour them down the street in a for a Jose Gonzalez video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good. The issue is. Those little poppers didn't do that. No. All they were there for was to bother your mum. <laughs> like, like a pack of snaps. Like a yeah. Oh god. Yes. Anyway, question. Question. 
Beyonce Knowles. Hang on, oh. sorry. Do, 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 do we settle on camel? I I settled on camel. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll both do camel. The same right. radio. I'll uh, I'll do dromedary. You do um, the other kind. One hump or two. <laughs> One hump or two. Go on. Beyonce Knowles. Clever. Like Knowles, like the hyena man. Yes. Okay. Says wizards, sorcerers, warlocks. Fuck Mary Kill. Thank you, Beyonce Knowles. An astute reading of the caliber of this podcast. That's so on brand. And a lot of people have been asking actual role-playing game questions, which I'm sad about. (laughs) Fuck Mary Kill. Wizard, sorcerer, warlock. It's kill wizards, isn't it? It's gotta be kill wizards. Although, like, they are... There's, there's that utility. They're very much the camel of the spellcasting world. They're utility. They are, but they're total nerds. Yeah, but so are we. We're geeks. But Subtly I- different. <laughs> yeah, I guess nerds are intelligent, aren't they? Yeah. Put it this way. Put it this way. Warlocks, you're not going to be the most important person in their life. No, that's true. And, like, I'm... Warlock's I'm got all- a patron. Warlock's got a patron. And, like, it's different from polyamory. In the in that like you would like you would be coming into this relationship and there'd always be someone who was you'd always be further away mm. than that other person. I guess if that you know if, if that's a relationship you want, that's fine. But I think that's that's why that's why we'd fuck a warlock. Yeah. Or fuck a sorcerer. I, I go with marry sorcerer. They've got they've got they've got high charisma. And you get the right bloodline. That sounds awful. I'm very sorry for that. Mm-hmm. But like, if they're dragon blooded. You can pass that on to your or, kids. Or fey-blooded. Then that's it, good. Rather it does than like pure-blooded. Like it seems like a leg up in yeah, life. Just, just like a boost. Like you, get free, you get free magic shit. Do you because, have to study? Nah. Yeah, the wizard had to go to school for a long time, get a big beard, hat, that sort of thing. They are, on average, 70 years old. The warlock had to do some stuff with a book. Mm, with or, or to a demon, in some cases. Or, yeah, well, like, they had to do... Things for and to demons. Somebody got promotions. Yeah. And sorcerers just happened to, like, Grandma was a dragon. Yeah. And now I can do wizard stuff. Right? So that's pretty cool. That's great. Also, it, I will say, like, it is a bit weird that Grandma was a dragon and I can do wizard stuff. And I get better at wizard stuff the more shit I kill. <laughs> it feeds on their hurt. Yeah, can we just sort of, can we just sort of, just sort of just drum down, just, just drill down into that one a little bit? Because it makes sense for the fighter, because all of the fighter's powers are, you know, I'm going to kill you with this stick, mm-hmm. and I'm going to kill yeah. things with sticks to get better at killing things with sticks. Cool, understand that's, that. That's Fine. literally just practice. That's just practice. The wizard, even ah, I've, I've, uh, I've learned more by adventuring and overcoming these challenges has granted me new insight mm-hmm. on this. For a sorcerer, you just happen to be born with magic in you, and then the more you kill, the better you get at magic. I think technically it's just I've got an older. That's not how it works. No, but like... I th- you, ha- you have it, to get older and murder a goblin. It feels to me, like, with sorcerers, that the way that they would get more power in, in, in the narrative mm-hmm. is in two ways. One, as they age... Like a tuning with the... They just kind of come out. Or... <laughs> come or, out as a sorcerer. They, or, or it's like um, adrenaline mm. prompts it. So it's trauma. Right. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So you need to you need to get into combat and stuff to essentially unlock 
you need to live you need to live an uncomfortable life an excite an exciting and dangerous life yes. to get those chemicals going around your body which activates various powers that is better than just murder it's better than just murder and it also but if covers it's, but if things it's the like first, stealing yeah and if it's the first one mm. where they just get older mm. then you don't really need to go adventuring so hang on so we're fucking the, we're fucking the warlock marrying the sorcerer killing yeah. the wizard yeah, like, I don't see the point of wizards. Someone suggested, wonderfully, well, again, utility. Someone suggested, rather than kill, it's be killed by. Oh. Which is a different discussion. Oh, that's still wizards. Disintegrate. It's over in seconds. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be killed by a warlock. No. <laughs> I get the impression that after I'm killed by a warlock, there's still things for me to do. Yeah, and, like, if you're killed by a sorcerer, that what they're doing is they're making whatever spells they've got fit to do a murder. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very much using the best case spell. Imagine Whereas a wizard just goes, knowing acid arrow. Yeah, like wizards would just go, hang on, I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, they go and read a book, put, no. come back with the perfect spell, yeah. and turn you and turn you off. Yeah. Otter Luke's graceful end. <laughs> Otter Luke's voluntary euthanasia. <laughs> Bigby Swiss Clinic. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Learman's tiny Swiss Clinic. Mordenkainen's sudden end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Otter Luke's resilient pillow. Oh, what's the chemical? Oh, I've forgotten it. Phenobarbital. No. Yeah, it's phenobarbital. Oh, well. Anyway, he, he sounds like a wizard too. He does. Mm. i got a question for you. Ask. I find myself on the deck, the air shivering around me. Wiping the dust from my eyes, I drag myself up, seeing the ink-black void lapping against the saviour field, the thin membrane of energy that divides us from the cold death of space. In that darkness, I can see the leading edge of the traitor ships caught in the pale light of the system's near but distant star. It is a stark and terrible image. For a reason I cannot fathom, I am drawn back to the face of that mysterious stranger, caught with surprise, part way through asking a question. How can we make diseases into interesting and compelling role-play encounters? Welcome back, mysterious stranger. Hey, we How missed, we missed you. you. Very much the current era, Turb. <laughs> yes. Remember Turb? Uh, Turb's, Turb's evolution in Pokemon terms. Man, I miss Turb. Yeah. What's Turb some batshit questions. Yeah, but I, I very much like your intros, mysterious stranger. Never stop. Never. Stat diseases as villains. Go on. Um, so, depending on what system you're in, obviously, but give them hit points mm. that can be whittled away by various means. Yeah. Um, essentially, kind of like statting the roleplay equivalent of playing the pandemic board game. Yeah. Or thinking, th- thinking of them as traps that are there in every situation. Yeah, and like you've got outbreaks, and it mm. in a lot of cases because it's probably fantasy. They can zombify people, or they yeah. can they can do outrageous things. Um, so it's very evident, rather than just a load of people get a bit of a cough, and three That's days later they die. Yeah, um, no, it should be dramatic. People should explode. <laughs> yes. The bursting pox. <laughs> My favorite disease I ever done in a game is ghoul sickness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the, the so the, the way that ghouls work in D anD D, ghouldom is a disease. 
Uh, it is transmitted by bites. If a ghoul bites you and you fail a fortitude check, then you then you, you become a ghoul. You hunger for flesh, um, and you look all weird, because that's what cannibals look like. And that was interesting, and I was like, cool, what if it was spiders? <laughs> so so my ghouls would like with a with a big long uh, fingernails make a slit in someone's like shoulder or thigh meat and then just vom up a load of spider eggs into the wound uh, and then try and grip it shut as they got killed. So that was really gross. Yeah, super super gross. Um I guess trigger warning. That comes before, doesn't it? It does, Sorry. yeah. Um yeah, so that that was really gross and it was really and like and, and we got to have like this 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 awesome impromptu surgery scene as the clinically ill high elf wizard uh, was but like the half ogre was holding her down, and the rogue was trying to cut out the eggs. Yeah, the steak and, like, knife and a nice cream scoop. Yeah, they didn't have a cleric, uh, so it was it was it was a brilliant scene, and it was like it, that was all player directed. It was really exciting, and I think that by giving it by you can definitely use body horror. I think um, for an interesting and compelling role play encounter. Yeah, and I, I think the the best way is to treat the disease as intelligent. Yeah. Because you've got, in a lot of cases, you've got an awful lot of vectors for disease, especially in fantasy. Mm. You, there's, there's less hygiene, there's less antibiotics, etc. And so you can go, where would be the most painful place for this disease to show up? Not on a person, like oh, right. societally okay. and geographically. Damaging. Yeah. And have it turn up there, because it can. Yeah. There's nothing stopping it. And also, like, and also, like they can think. Like yeah. if you if you want to have the capacity, like you can you can quite easily in fantasy or even in, in sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi, um, it, yeah. Yeah, anything which doesn't use reality, you have the capacity to cast a spell or use a program or what have you, a VR thing, which lets you talk to the virus. Yeah, and I mean, don't forget, you don't have to have the um, a disease as bacteria as virus. No, it can be mimetic. You know, it can be transmit through sound. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, it, can, you, it can be anyone who's read this book. Yeah, like um, a lot of the different interpretations for the King in Yellow mm. is a mimetic virus. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's it's the, the pattern of the play yeah. that drives you to madness rather than the content of the play. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a super interesting way of looking at disease. And it's interesting because that's a containable disease. Mm-hmm. Um, like an inf- uh, 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 in- infectious diseases, like viruses, like f- like the flu, is very difficult to contain without very widespread um, vaccinations and mm. and whatnot. But if you can just stop people reading a play, just just put a bad review out. Yeah, but that's but that's an adventure you can do. Immunizing all of Europe. Mm. Is a very difficult and potentially quite boring adventure. It's really just <laughs> looking into into crossing borders with lots of chemicals, yeah. and it's just it's very tight well, all the way maybe down. Maybe that one of you's an orc. <laughs> you know? Just to spice things up. I I've had an idea. Okay. Uh, a disease comes mm-hmm. from outside of time. Right. Um, it comes well outside of space. The dark between the stars. That sort of shit. Right. Yeah. Um, it infests humans. And then humans um, change and become another thing entirely. So, like, a, like an alien race or a virus. And this is oh, how. Oh, okay. I'm just like, a clock. A clock. Well, is that what happened in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Actually, you know what? To hell with my idea. It's full Beauty and the Beastism outbreaking across Europe. Everyone becomes whatever 
object they are most like. <laughs> you remind me a lot of a candlestick. Actually, Chris, what are the rules on Beauty and the Beast transformations? I've not actually seen that film. They, so they were cursed, I believe? Yeah, so so the the Lord of the Manor looked like a sort of fuckable bear pig. So, yeah, so he, from what I gather... It's like still pretty hot as the, as the Beast, honestly. The, the, the Lord of the Manor was premium fuckboy. Yeah. Um, and got it's cursed to be a beast because of his good looks. But, you know, yeah. again, became quite an alright beast. Still would. And the staff became teapots? Because they were... Menial and thus above... Staff? Below? I don't know. Yeah, like, it's weird. I guess, I guess, like, whatever's fitting, right? Uh, that, that works. So, like, if you, if, if you lit all the candles, you would become a candlestick. And if you were in charge of serving tea, then you would be a teapot. But the butler became the candlestick. Well, he would have lit the candles. The cook became a clock. Well, he had to serve meal. Or was he... Or was the cook Presumably the that was the clocksman. The teapot? No, there wasn't a clocksman. <laughs> There's always a clocksman. How do you think they keep it wound? What did the stable boy turn into? A horse. No. A barn door. Like a brick or something. Some straw. <laughs> a, a flat cap. <laughs> a pipe. A brush for horses. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. And it's never really explained. And for some reason they put Emma Watson in it. Oh, right, that's the new one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Let's, well, let's, let's have that happen. That's, that's the fantasy disease. You start turning into an anthropomorphic version of the thing you do. Okay. And it's bad because you don't really have hands. I'm, uh, I'm going to be a chair. Yeah, we're both going to be chairs. We're going to be then, chairs, and, Grant. And then someone will spin around the chair and all of our dice will fall out. <laughs> one of your arms will be broken. <laughs> your chair is in a state of disrepair. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a long, do you have one last question? Or should we wrap this shit up? Uh, I have a quick question. Okay. How do you write adventures from G. Whistler? That's quite a that's quite a long question. I, I'm making it a quick question. Okay, um, with difficulty. Yeah, they're real hard, hard, aren't they? They're so hard, and like the the the, the biggest challenge I found with writing adventures is actually making them an adventure rather than a badly written novel with no dialogue that the players have to go through. Yes. Uh, you can't just afford to have a series of events which happen. You have to you have to rely on creating factions and desires and motivations and actions and then, see, you know what? Factions and actions. Ooh, tight. Thanks. That sort of thing. Rather than, oh, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. If the players do nothing, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Unless, to, unless what know. they're doing is specifically you have eight hours to solve the case. Yeah, like, and if it's if it's in a um, if it's like a one shot, for example, and say, okay, so at hour two this thing happens, and at hour four this thing happens, mm. as as forces come from outside, that sort of thing, you know, that's but, okay. But generally, like, it's this balancing act between mm. giving people enough information to create with, mm. and too much information, at which point they're not allowed to create mm. because you've told them. Yeah. You, you you never want to have to have the GM stop and read the adventure to answer a question. No, that no. like that there should be enough for them to get a rough understanding of what's going on, and then they never touch the adventure again. Exactly, yeah, and just you give them an arc, and like if they have a, if they use a DM screen, the only thing on the back of that screen should be the important NPCs and what they look like and do. Yeah, in fact, actually, I've got another I've got another analogy. 
Alright. Uh, you know Soapbox Racing? Uh, yes. So like you get on a little a non-powered cart and go at the top of a hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, an adventure should be the player's soapbox racer and then three rival soapbox racers and a big hill. <laughs> and then, fine, go. Like, they're, they're going to go down the hill. That's what happens. Yeah, or, or even, even to, to, to maybe make that more pointed, the adventure should be the soapbox and the dude who gives you a push. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, certainly. And then the hill does the rest, certainly. And, yeah, and then everything else is... Just whatever happens. Yeah, just just write the start and let and let the players come up with it because whatever they come up with is going to be better than whatever you write unless you well okay, not from an not from an objective outside view but from a subjective view of them enjoying it. Yeah, I've generally found that when a GM makes something up, I have much more time than the GM using even an incredibly well written scenario. And also, one of the things I hate is is a scripted dungeon crawl. We've got X in this room, X in that room, Y will happen, and just none of it makes sense. No, like they wouldn't stay in the rooms. You can't balance it if essentially you make, if you shoot a fireball in a dungeon, everybody for a mile is going to hear that. (laughs) Are they loud fireballs? I assume they're enormous bursts of energy. I guess just the screaming. Yeah. Yeah. You've set a a burnable uh, creature on fire. Hmm. It's and all not of its going mates. to be quiet. You're in its house. Yeah. So everything's going to come. So suddenly you've got 60 rooms worth of dungeon cramming mm. through doorways, mm. trying to murder you. It just I doesn't think, work. Well, I, th- I think a logical dungeon is no fun to play through. Yeah. Unfortunately. There you go. That's your problem. That's your problem. Don't do it in a dungeon. And if you do do it in a dungeon, just have it about the, uh, the orcs trying to unionise. <laughs> Yeah, make it fun, please. Yeah, just I'll have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't look, don't look, just do an, a historically accurate rendition of the Houses of Parliament in 1963. We're all getting older. The ice caps are all melting. We're all going to die sooner than we like. The world is crumbling down around our ankles like a wet rice cake. Just have some fucking fun. Enjoy yourselves. It's all be yeah. over soon. Have a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. Treat yourself to that cake. It's okay. It's Nobody's okay. judging. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a fat corpse. Exactly. Thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. <laughs> it's all Oof. over. It's kind of a bit nihilistic, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Habit. That was Chris Taylor. We've all had fun. I hope you've had as much fun listening to it as we've had recording it. I love your laughs. Well, the thing is, I actually quite like recording this show. I do want to stress that. Yeah, no, nice. that... Yes. But I hope you have slightly more fun record, <laughs> listening to it. Otherwise, we're doing our jobs wrong. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this, you can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends. Give us some money. Come along and join the Discord. It's lovely in there. At the moment, we're discussing pr- uh, prospective uh, churches of the gun. And interesting. Uh, and like, is it possible to have every limb firing a different gun? Including your hat. Yes, your hat. Your hat is a, le- is a limb. If you want to ask us a question, you can fill out the form on our, on our website, rowanrickanddeckard.com. That's our fancy business website. Or you can send us an email to do the same, heartydicefriends at gmail.com. Finally, you can follow us on Twitter at HDF Podcast. And occasionally, we're getting better at putting the episodes up there. Yeah. But I presume you have some sort of automatic subscription service if you want to listen to us. 
There's the oh, very I can hear plaintive the dog. sounds of my tiny puppy. Oh, Chris. Who's outside my room and not getting a hug. Oh. Okay, actually, Chris, Chris, can you let your puppy in? So, so can, can we have her on the go. show? Is it for the outro? Let me see if I can get her. It's a very exciting listener. So it's, it's our first guest, not counting special guest Mary Hamilton. Chris's dog's name is Lilith, but he calls her Lily. Oh, she's got stage right. Hello? Hello. Hello. Get her to make a dog noise. This is Lily. She's not, she's not really coming across on mic. Rub her against the microphone. She's not making the noises she normally does. I guess she's I guess she's just happy to see you. What's this? Tell your dog. I'll tell your dog she's terrible radio. Bad radio, sweetheart. Oh, oh my kisses. Oh my ears. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hi Those Friends. My name's Grant. This is Chris. His dog is Lilith. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Lilith. I'm squeezing her. She's not making any noise. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> Bye. Bye.